Chapter 13, Part 2 from the sermon series, The Gospel of John, spoken by Pastor Sunita Pantan. Everybody say good morning to Mara. Mara is in fourth grade. She's in our Metro, um, our fourth and fifth grade ministry, and she's going to be um, doing the scripture for us today. But before we do that, um, I just want to highlight a few things, and then we'll pray, and we'll get into the sermon. Um, you'll notice outside those double doors in the hallways that they are all in ministry tables. Please make sure that you stop by them. Um, the women's ministry, the um, angel tree, and um, Christmas cards, but you'll also see postcards there for same-day voting. And so we are, um, if you are willing, we are sending postcards to um, the Senate leader here in New Jersey, um, encouraging them to uh, make same-day voting available in the state of New Jersey. And the idea is that, you know, you know, oftentimes people forget to register, right? You have to register three weeks in advance, election day comes and you're not prepared. Um, so this would allow for same-day voting, and it's particularly helpful maybe for young people who are voting for the first time, that they can go in the same day. It's a provisional ballot, but their vote will be counted. Um, so if that's something that you are interested in, that you would just, all it is, you're just signing your name on a postcard, we would share it with the... Um, we send it to the Senate uh, uh, leader, um, and hopefully they will pass that bill. So that is in the hallway for you. Um, but let's pray, and we'll get going. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be with you this morning. God, we thank you for all that our eyes have seen, all that our ears have heard. And so, God, now we come praying now that you would be with us, that you would continue to speak to us. God, I have prayed and prepared as best I know how, but you must preach this word. God, I have studied your word, but would you send your Holy Spirit? And Lord, I have written words on paper, but would you write them on our hearts that we might be reminded of the ways in which we have betrayed Jesus, but Jesus loves us nevertheless. And now, God, may the words of my mouth and meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And all God's children said, amen, amen, amen. So Mara, what would you do if you knew someone was going to betray you? I'd get mad at them. You'd get mad at them. Me too. I would get mad at them. What would you do if you thought someone was going to betray you? If you knew that your best friend was going to tell a story um, about you, was going to, uh, a secret that you had um, sworn her to privacy over and that she would tell someone? Or what if your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your spouse was about to cheat on you? What if, what would you, knew, what would you do if you knew that a family member or a friend was going to con you out of money or your, your kid's savings? I know that if I had an opportunity to stop someone from betraying me, like Mara said, I'd be mad too, and I would try to stop them because we know that betrayal hurts. To betray means to violate a person's trust or confidence, and you know what that means. Think about, you know the, 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 the easiest form of betrayal, I think? You have dessert reserved. You've said, this is my piece of cake. You've placed it somewhere. Maybe you even put your name on it. And your brother or your sister eats your dessert. We've all experienced that, right? Or maybe you have a friend and you invite them over to your home. And then when you see them in school or out at work, they act like they don't know you. Or you hear that other people are gossiping about you and that you find out that your friend was in that group and they never defended you. Or maybe you vowed to love and cherish one another, but then one of them has an affair or becomes abusive. We know betrayal as backstabbing or double-crossing or selling out. And if I had the opportunity to stop a betrayal before it happens, I would. 
But in our text this morning, we see that Jesus takes a different approach. So what does Jesus do knowing that he will be betrayed? And Mara is gonna read the scripture for us today to tell us what Jesus does. So if you have your Bibles, turn with us to John chapter 13, verses 18 through 30. John chapter 13, verses 18 through 30. Go right ahead. I am not referring to all of you. I know those I have chosen, but this is to fulfill the passage of scripture. He who shared my bread has turned against me. I am telling you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am who I am. Very truly, I tell you, whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me, and whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. After he had said this, Jesus was troubling in spirit and testified. Very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which one of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter motioned to this disciple. He said, ask him which one he means. Leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. So Jesus told him, What you are about to do, do quickly. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas had a charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the festival or to give something to the poor. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out and it was night. Very good. Thank you, Mara. Great job, great job, great job. Thank you. Didn't she do a great job? (laughs) I love to see um, having our, our kids be a part of the service and reading the scripture. So thank you, Mara. You did an awesome job. So... Jesus understands betrayal. As we saw last week, Jesus is with his disciples at dinner, and Jesus gets up and he washes the feet of the disciples, reminding us that we have to serve others just as he has served them. But he also begins to hint at the fact that he is going to be betrayed. He says things like, those who have a bath need only wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not all of you. For he knows who was going to betray him, and that is why he said not everyone was clean. The author, John, also tells us back in verse 2 that the devil had already put his heart inside of Judas to betray Jesus. We know that betrayal is coming, 
In this week's verses, Jesus will tell us that the betrayal fulfills scripture and that he's telling this to the disciples ahead of time so that they will believe that he is the Messiah. Then he says very explicitly, very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray you. And the disciples are confused, wondering who he could be talking about. After all, these are his closest friends. These are his disciples. These are the people that he's been doing ministry with for years. So Peter, he says to the disciple whom Jesus loves, who we think is the author, John, he says, John, ask Jesus, who's he talking about? And Jesus says, it's the one that I dip the bread in, uh, that I take bread and dip it into and give it to you. And he gives it to Simon Iscariot. Um, excuse me, he gives it to Judas Iscariot. The disciples, they're still confused. And then he tells Judas, go do what you're going to do quickly. And then Judas walks out. Now the disciples are still left in confusion, but not Jesus. Jesus knows that he's going to be betrayed. And he knows who's going to betray him. And it's this, it's this really strange scene because we're left wondering, why would Jesus let Judas betray him if he knows it's going to happen? It doesn't make sense. In fact, not only does Jesus not stop him, but he says, go do what you're going to do. And that doesn't quite make sense to me. That's the question that I have been wrestling with all week. We know that Judas is actually going to betray Jesus. Look at verse 21. It says, after he said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, very truly I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. And then in verses 26 and 27, Jesus answered, It is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. Jesus knows that Judas will betray him. But who is this Judas? Judas was chosen just like the others, to be one of the 12 disciples. He's been with Jesus for three years now, learning at the feet of Jesus, praying with him, seeing miracles performed, and, and perhaps he was a part of those miracles being performed himself when Jesus sends the disciples out. But Jesus knew all along that Judas would betray him. Jesus knows all things, so he knew that when he chose Judas, that Judas would betray him. This Judas, he's, he's not perfect, and Judas is not completely transformed. Judas is described as a thief. If you go back in John chapter 12, remember when, when Mary interrupts the, the dinner to anoint Jesus with oil? Well, then Judas interrupts her, and he says, well, well why is she wasting this oil? We should have um, sold it and given the money to the poor. And then John tells us that Judas, he actually didn't care about the poor. He was actually skimming money off of the top of the money bag. Judas was a thief. And eventually he will betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver by agreeing to give him up to the Roman soldiers. Judas is not only a disciple and a thief and ultimately will betray Jesus, but he's also Jesus's friend. Jesus quotes, in verse 18, Jesus quotes Psalm 41.9. In verse 18, he says, I'm not referring to all of you. I know those I have chosen, but this is to fulfill this passage of scripture. He who shared my bread has turned against me. 
In Psalm 41, King David laments his own betrayal by a close friend. The very same person who shared bread with me, he says, turned against me. In other versions of the Bible, it says that they, they, they turned their heel against him, meaning that they were trampling him under his feet. And we know that this is betrayal because eating with someone is intimate. We know that. You eat with the people that you care about and that you want to spend time with. Whether you're in the cafeteria at lunch, that's the only time you get to hang out with your friends. So you are very uh, choosy about who you have your, your lunch with because that's the only time you get to hang out and talk with your friends. It's precious time. At work, you have lunch with the coworkers that you actually like and you want to be friends with, not that you're, that you're forced to, to work with on a project. Even in our personal lives, who we eat with, who we invite over for meals, who we go out to brunch or dinner with is an indication of the people that we would like to spend time with, the people who we value. And by the way, if you value fellowship, I invite you into uh, the, uh, the gym after service to fellowship with one another, get to know some new people here at Metro. Because to eat with someone is special. To share your life with someone over a meal, to talk with them and learn from them, and then to live life with them, it's beautiful and it's powerful. That's where relationships are forged. Eating together is a sign of friendship. And Judas has spent many, many meals with Jesus, including this one. In fact, Judas is sitting so close to Jesus that when Jesus dips the bread in, in, in the cup and gives it to him, that he can just reach over to him. He doesn't have to hand it off to someone else. He's sitting in such close proximity that it's a sign of love and friendship. And yet Judas's heart wasn't with Jesus. This is what is so heartbreaking about the betrayal. Judas had been so close to Jesus. He had received Jesus' love and kindness and experienced his power firsthand for three years, and yet he still betrays Jesus. This is what makes betrayal so painful, because betrayal only happens within the context of relationship. We'll see later that Judas will take the Roman soldiers to the exact place he knew where Jesus went to pray. He used his inside information to lead Jesus' killers right to him. That is deep betrayal. Let me tell you, anyone can be mean to you. Anyone can cut you off in traffic. Anyone can talk about you. And, and it might hurt a little bit. But when it's your friend, when it's your spouse, when it's your sibling or a parent, that hits differently. You feel betrayed because the person has broken a bond in the relationship. They have broken your trust. Their words or their actions have broken your heart. And just because Jesus knows that the betrayal is coming, it didn't hurt any less. The Bible says that Jesus was troubled in spirit. That means that he is disturbed, that he's hurting. Jesus was a human just like us, and he felt deeply just like us. Do you recognize, do you know the pain of betrayal, the shock of it? You find yourself in disbelief. How could this person that I love, who told me that they loved me, do this to me? Then you're angry. You're angry at yourself because you're wondering, how come I didn't see this coming? And you're angry with the person for doing it to you. And you're disappointed. And even if you pretend that it doesn't hurt, it does. You grieve the loss of the friendship or the relationship. 
You feel alone and, and helpless and maybe even hopeless. Jesus was hurting knowing that this man, this friend, this disciple was going to betray him. Just because you know it's going to happen, it doesn't make it any less painful. In fact, it might even make it worse because you're anticipating the pain. And yet Jesus lets him do it. He doesn't stop him. Jesus knows Judas would betray him, so he says to the whole group in verse 21, very truly I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. But the disciples, they have no clue who Jesus is talking about. They are all disciples, and, and how could any one of them betray Jesus? The disciples, they're looking around, and they're wondering who Jesus is talking about. And so in verse 22, they say, his disciples stared at one another at a loss for which one he meant. They had no idea who Jesus was talking about at the moment. Who among them, who among the disciples would betray Jesus? So they're looking at one another, and they're looking at themselves, and they're wondering, is it me? Is it you? And the truth is that we've all betrayed Jesus at one point or another in our lives. The truth is that we've all betrayed someone in our lives. Yes, I have been betrayed, and sadly, I have been the betrayer. My, my mother died when I was a senior in college, and my brother was still in high school. He was living at home. And after I graduated from college, I got a job as a legal assistant. Um, and me and my best friend, we moved into the New York City, really, you know, living our best lives, all the good things. But my brother was still living at home with my father. And shortly after my, my mother died, my father started dating this woman, and he started bringing her into the home. And she would, be stay, she would stay overnight some nights. Now, for context, my mother died at home, and my father and his girlfriend were sleeping in the same bed that my mother died in. It was hard on my brother. And I, I came home often, and I tried to be there for my brother, but I was living my best life in New York City. And over time, I realized that there was a strain in my relationship with my brother. Every time I would say something to him, he was just nasty. Like, his response to me was always so nasty and mean. And I didn't understand. It seemed like I could not say anything to him. And then years later, he and I got into this shouting match, this huge argument. We're yelling and screaming at one another. And he finally told me that he was mad at me because I had left him. He said, when I didn't return after college, I left him at home to deal with my father and the situation happening at home. And he was right. Like, I could not deal with the grief. I couldn't deal with living in the home without my mother. So I left, but my brother couldn't. He said that he felt abandoned and betrayed. We were siblings. We're supposed to be in this together. And I left him to deal with it by himself. He said he felt like I had betrayed our relationship because you see, another definition of betrayal is to fail or to desert someone, especially in times of need. And that's what I did. And it cut deep. It cut so deep for him that he was mad at me and bitter for years until ultimately resolved it. Now, I apologized to him, and I'm grateful that he forgave me. But the truth is that all of us have a little bit of Judas in us. 
It's easy to talk about betrayal when you're the victim, but what about when you're the perpetrator? Who have you betrayed? Is it your sister or your brother? Someone at school who you hang out with until you find another group of friends that are more cool to be with? Your spouse, your best friend? We don't just betray family members and friends, but we also betray Jesus. Now, we haven't taken money from Roman soldiers and so, and so they can kill and arrest Jesus. No, we haven't done that, but we've done other things. See, how Judas betrayed Jesus is less important than why Jesus was, Judas, excuse me, Judas was selfish and dishonest. He never believed in Jesus. He never accepted Jesus and his teaching as truth and necessary for his own life. And the truth is that many of us, we do believe in Jesus. We love Jesus, but we don't always accept the truth of his word for our lives. We're not always obedient, and that's betrayal because we say we love Jesus. And Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. But we don't always do it. Deep down in our hearts, although we love Jesus and we want to love Jesus, we still wrestle with the lack of faith in God's ways. It's our sinful nature. Jesus tells us, he tells us to abide with him. And then we, we binge watch a Netflix show and then we say, Jesus, well, I just didn't have time. Jesus tells us to forgive and we make up excuses as to why Jesus is not talking about us. We betray his love, we betray his grace. And then we say things like, oh, well, Jesus knows my heart. And the thing is that he does know your heart and your heart is sinful. We hear a sermon on Sunday and before Monday ends, we're back to living life as before. This is the best time of year and it's also the worst time of year. It's so beautiful. We're getting ready to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, and yet we're so impatient and mean in the stores. We gossip. We make fun of people. We're mean. We say hurtful things to people. Maybe we do what God tells us to do, but we do it when we want to do it instead of when he tells us to do it. We all have a little Judas in us. And so I'm often left wondering why Jesus doesn't stop us. But maybe a better question is, what does Jesus do knowing he will be betrayed? What does Jesus do knowing he will be betrayed? Jesus allows Judas's betrayal. Jesus never stops Judas from doing what he's going to do. Remember, I said that Judas was a thief, and the Bible never tells us that Jesus told him to stop stealing. He just lets him do it. The book of John reminds us more than any other gospel that Jesus is always in control, even when it looks like he's not. And that's good news because our world is chaotic and we need to be reminded that as much as it looks like there's chaos in the world, God is still in control. Even in the midst of this betrayal, it's not outside of God's knowledge or outside of his use for his ultimate purpose. This is God's omniscience, that God knows everything everything at all times. This is God's sovereignty, that he is in control and nothing is outside of his power. God's plan was always for Jesus to leave heaven to come to earth, and his plan always included how and when Jesus would die. Yes, it's true. Judas allows Satan to direct his actions. The Bible makes it clear that the devil put betrayal inside of Judas's heart, but Judas could have chosen to act differently to not be guided by Satan, but he didn't. 
God gives us free will to do what we will do, even if it's the wrong thing, even if it's rejecting him, even if it's betraying him. It becomes part of God's permissive will, what he allows to happen, in this case, for an ultimate purpose. Now, when I grew up, my mom would tell me, don't do this, don't do that. Don't touch the hot oven, don't jump off that ledge, don't cut your hair. There were a lot of don'ts in my house. (laughs) But if I persisted, at some point, she would stop telling me don't do it, and she would just let me do it so that I would learn from the consequence. So I had a bang that was cut too close and too high because I wanted to cut my own hair. She told me not to, but she let me do it. And there are no pictures. I looked crazy. (laughs) She didn't want me to do it. And she told me not to do it. But she let me do it. I was exercising free will, and she let me do it, even though she knew the outcome would be me looking crazy. God does not interrupt our free will. God honors our free will. Now, he might nudge us in a particular direction, and he might try to compel us to to move in a certain way, but in the end, we make the decision. Judas made his decision. Judas left the dinner. He left the group. Verse 30 says, as soon as Judas had taken the bread out, the bread, he went out, and it was night. And the next time we see Judas is when he brings the soldiers to the Garden of Gethsemane, where he knew Jesus would be for them to arrest him. Judas had a choice, and he chose to walk in darkness. He chose to leave the light. The Bible says that it was night. And in the Gospel of John, as we've seen, that there's all these references to light and darkness. Jesus is the light of the world. And darkness, darkness represents evil and unbelief and opposition. It's where people stumble because there is no light. It's just what Jesus said in John 3.19. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Judas's deeds were evil. Judas chose to betray Jesus. Jesus knew it was going to happen, but Judas chose to do it. And we all have a choice to make too. Will we walk in darkness or will we walk in light? Now, some people ask the question, why do we come, so, come down so hard on Judas? Before um, coming on staff at Metro, I worked with high school students, and I would rotate with the staff leading a Bible study with some of the other staff. And I love high schoolers. If there are any high schoolers in here, please know that I love you. If you're listening to me, you guys are brilliant. You have just wonderful minds. You ask the hard questions. And if you've ever worked with high schoolers, you know they keep you on your toes. So one day we're talking about Judas, and one of the guys, I, and, and this is kid, I can still see his face because he was a smart aleck, but he was really intelligent. And he says, he says, Miss Ponton, I understand that Jesus is the savior, but isn't Judas the hero? I mean, if Judas hadn't betrayed Jesus, then Jesus wouldn't have died. So isn't Judas the real hero? And I was so mad at that question. <laughs> but I had to tell him that like, No, the Bible has a response for that. Even though Judas sets the action in motion, he's being used by the enemy to do so. 
The Bible says the son of man will go just as it is written about him, but woe to that man who betrays the son of man. It would be better if he had not been born. Jesus knew it was going to happen, and Jesus would ultimately die. But you don't want to be the one who sends Jesus to death. But ultimately, God is in control. Jesus allows Judas to betray him. And the power that's at work in Jesus now not to stop this betrayal is the power of God. It's a power beyond our capability outside of the Holy Spirit. Because you see, our human instinct is to resist pain. It's to resist those things that will, that will bring us pain. Human instinct is to protect ourselves at all costs. But Jesus is not looking to protect himself. He's not concerned with self-preservation. Why? And it's because the power of love. Jesus could handle the betrayal for a few reasons, and, and he could allow it for a few reasons. And I'm going to go briefly through these for the sake of time. First, um, because Jesus knows who he is. Jesus could handle the betrayal because he knew who he was. He's secure in his identity. Jesus quotes Psalm 41 about being betrayed after that. And then in verse Psalm 41, excuse me, in, in Psalm 41, verses 11 through 12, it says, I know that you are pleased with me, for my enemy does not triumph over me. Because of my integrity, you uphold me and set me in your presence forever. Jesus knows that God is pleased with him. He knows where he stands before God. He knows that God will uphold him and that he will return into God's presence. He is assured of who he is before God. Second, Jesus allows Judas's betrayal because he understands his purpose. Jesus understands his purpose. Look at John 13, verse 1 and verse 3. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Verse 3. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Jesus knew from the beginning that his purpose for living was to die. But the third and perhaps the, the greatest reason that Jesus allows Judas to betray him is because Jesus loves Judas and he loves us. It's a powerful thing. Look back at John chapter 13, verse 1, the end of it. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. What kind of God allows his own betrayal so that he can die for the one who betrayed him? A God who loves even the betrayer. Jesus loved Judas to the end. He didn't just love the beloved disciple. He didn't just love Peter, who would eventually regret uh, what he did and come back to Jesus. He loved Judas too. He died for Judas too. And maybe this is why we need to hear the story of Judas and we need to hear the story of a failure too. Not just how we respond when betrayal happens to us, but how does God respond to a people who consistently betray him? We have failed Jesus time and time again. We have betrayed Jesus. We all have a little Judas in us. And how does Jesus respond? He responds with love. He responds by dying for us. 
Yes, yes, there are consequences. And no, Jesus is not pleased with how we utilize our free will, but that does not stop him from loving us. He loves us despite the fact that we have a little Judas in us. It didn't stop him from dying for us. In fact, that's exactly why he would die for us, because he knew that we had no chance to be reconciled with God without him. We had no chance for eternity without him. We have no chance of making it in this life without him. He dies to show us how much he loves us. Romans 5, 8 says it brilliantly, but God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Can you, can you imagine the depth of that kind of love? Not only do I know you will betray me, but I will die so that you don't have to die for betraying me. Our sins separate us from the Father. The wages of sin is death. We deserve to die, but Jesus died for us that we would not have to die or live apart from the Father. Have you experienced this type of love? This type of love that forgives the betrayer, that, that calls us to repentance, that, reminds, that, that remains consistent and faithful despite the betrayal. It's a love that never shuts the door on the relationship and it always invites us back in. Maybe you don't understand, but I know that I am a sinner and I do not deserve God's grace. And he gives it to me anyway. He gave me his son to die for my sins. He gave you his son to die for your sins. That is a powerful love. That is a, is a remarkable love. That's a love that loves to the end. Every time we betray Jesus, we know that he died knowing we would do so. And he loves us anyway. Jesus knew what we would do. And he also knew what he would do. If you don't remember anything else about this sermon, remember this. Jesus knew that you would betray him, and he died for you anyway, because he loves you. Nothing you could ever do is so unforgivable that Jesus does not love you and will not forgive you. Just like with Judas, Jesus gives us every opportunity to repent, including today. Today's another opportunity to receive the love Jesus has for you. I don't know anyone else who loves us that much. So perfectly, so selflessly, so completely, so faithfully. Your husband or your wife, they may love you, but spouses have been known to betray one another. Your best friend, they may have your back. She might be your BFF, but best friends have been known to betray one another. Even your parents, your, your mother may love you with all her heart. Your father may love you with all that is in him, but parents have been known to betray their children, but not God. God loves us with an everlasting love. Where we have betrayed him, he has loved us. Where we have been faithless, he has been faithful. He's never betrayed us. He's never forsaken us. No, he's died for us. God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, he died for us. Even though we have betrayed him, and he knows we will again, 
He still dines with us. He still communes with us. He still talks to us. He's still present with us. He still comes from heaven to earth for us. He still dies for us. He's still preparing a place in heaven for us. He still loves us. We have a Savior who loves even the betrayer. If he loved Judas even to death, he certainly has enough love for us. We sing this song often and we'll sing it again today. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still, you give your heart away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God, even for the betrayer. Let us pray. I'm going to give you a few moments now to just sit with the sermon, see how God might be speaking to you. Heavenly Father, so often it's so easy to think about Judas and what Judas has done for you, done to you. So often it's, it's easier to think about the ways in which we have been betrayed. But God, today you're calling us to consider how we have betrayed you. So God, we confess that we are sorry. That we don't want to betray you, God. That that bit of Judas that lives inside of us, God, we ask that you would take it out. God, we want to be faithful. We want to be holy just as you are holy. And God, when we fail, God, we're grateful that you still love us, that we can still come back home to you, God. And so, God, I pray that you will help us to live more faithfully, help us to live more righteously, help us to live more holy lives, God. Help us to receive your love. Help us to be grateful for your love, oh God. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.